welcome to the Beautiful Life Podcast. This message is by Nigel Desmond. Let's pray together. Father, we're so grateful for we're so grateful for this resurrection Sunday, Lord God. So grateful for your work at the cross, Jesus what you've done, what you've established in us and for us, Lord. We pray, Lord, for your presence to refill every one of us right now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, please turn with me, if you've brought your Bible, to the book of uh, Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, please. And, um, and I, uh, this week we had, a, we had a meeting at our home um, that we call First Thursdays where we invite ministers from across the city just to come and pray, uh, pray together. Um, unfortunately, this, uh, this month wasn't a good month for many of the pastors, or it was a, um, they were very busy. So we just had one other minister come and join us. Um, but during that time, it was just an hour of soaking in prayer, and it was our family and one other uh, minister came. The presence of God came so heavily during that one hour. I think, um, well, well, Debbie, Debbie spent about 30 minutes laughing in the spirit. Um, that, was, that was really fun. I, 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 love watching, I love watching the spirit of God just fill someone with joy. Um, I particularly love watching my wife get hammered. Um, because uh, I don't know, man. She just uh, she looks so cute when she when she does that. But um, <laughs> not that she doesn't look not that she doesn't look cute at other times. Just just to clarify, um, yeah, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. She looked particularly cute. Um, <laughs> but for me, the whole hour it just felt this deep, rich presence of of love of God. And I feel like um, I'm really interested to see what God is doing in this season because I believe that God is releasing just a fresh wave of presence, in, of Holy Spirit presence in the church at this hour. And I really want to encourage you in your own time with God to be pursuing encounter with God. It's interesting because it's something I've just really been thinking on in the last week or two is that, I mean, I love reading the Word, I love reading the Bible, but many Christians behave like um, they, they worship Father, Son, and Holy Bible. And, and we need to understand the Bible is not God. The Bible leads us into encounter with God. Does, does that make sense? And so, um, and, and you see, when you get locked into... Um, an, an approach to God um, where you are so focused on the Bible. I'm not saying, and please hear what I'm, uh, I'm saying and what I'm not saying. I'm not saying the Bible is not um, important. It's, it's crucially important, but it's not the end. All right? You see, we're not called to just have correct theology. We're called to know God. Does that make sense? And so what happens is, when people don't realize that Jesus came, that we might know him. And that word know in the Greek is gnosko, 
which means to encounter and to, to actually know someone. It doesn't mean to just know about him. And so what ends up happening is people end up fighting over theology rather than pursuing God. Does that make sense? And listen, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that my theology is perfect. Um, I, I try to make it as perfect as possible. All right. Obviously, we all uh, should. But this I will tell you. Jesus is perfect theology. Jesus is perfect theology. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so the word of God leads us into encounter with Jesus. And that's what the Resurrection, Resurrection Sunday is about. It's about the, the fact that our God, He's not dead, He's alive. Yeah. This is awesome. Our God is alive. And so you ought to expect not just to have great thoughts about God, but you ought to expect to see God manifest in your life. When you pray, you ought to expect miracles, signs, wonders. Now, admittedly, not every time I pray for someone do they get healed. Okay? Jesus, Jesus when he prayed for people, 100% of the time they got healed. Uh, Nigel, when he prays for people, some of the percentage of time they get healed, right? My job is not to develop a theology that explains the difference between me and Jesus. My job is to close the gap. Does that make sense? And so, you know, this, is, this week I had this encounter with the Lord during First Thursdays where I just felt His presence come so intensely. And I, I just could feel him so cl uh, uh, close to me. Um, and I could feel, feel the Holy Spirit ar uh, around me. And I'm telling you, I feel like God is wanting to release that more and more over us as a community and over us as a church. But it's what he wants for the world. God wants to make himself so evident to the world, in us, to us, and through us, that people cannot deny the existence of God in their lives. And you know what's really exciting? Um, the world has started prophesying. It's, it's a funny thing. You can often see, you can often see the front end, end of a move of God by if you look with discerning eyes into what's happening in the world. And so I've been watching Hollywood, funny enough, and seeing Hollywood releasing movies about uh, the gospel. I've seen like Jesus Re uh, Revol uh, Revolution. How many of you have seen the movie Jesus Revolution or the trailer? Yeah, about the, uh, there's a, revi a revival that happened in the 19, 1960s. Actually, just, you know, 1969, which happens to be my birthday. But, you know, I mean, you know let's not make anything of that. But um, <laughs> 1969, the Jesus Revolution, uh, <laughs> Revolution started. And um, there was this move of God that literally shifted culture globally. And uh, now there's another movie coming out called His Only Son. And there's another one that I really want to see. Um, Patri uh, not Patrizio, um, Andrea Bocelli has released a movie called The Journey. And all of these have themes of re uh, revealing Christ into the world. 
And it's interesting when mainstream culture begins to speak about what God is wanting to do. And so this, uh, this Sunday, this Easter, I want to turn you back to this, uh, this scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11 says this. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But uh, uh, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. And in, uh, in the Passion Translation, this is what it, uh, what it says. I love the translation. Even more than that, uh, hang on, no, that's not the scripture I'm looking for. <laughs> I've gone to Romans. Hang on a moment. 2 Corinthians. Yeah, exactly. My iPad. Since we are those who stand in holy awe of the Lord, we make it our passion to persuade others to turn to Him. We know that our lives are transparent before God, who knows us fully, and our hope is also known to your, uh, your conscience. I have been so challenged again by this verse during this time. Because... We live in a world that is desperate to know truth. We, we, we're living in a time where because our culture has shifted to a place where the culture says there's no such thing as truth. We're living uh, amongst a generation of people who are left without fences, left without borders, uh, unable to know anything, even unable to know themselves. And that's one of the, uh, the biggest challenges. To... to, to to be, I, we live in a generation where people even question whether they're men or women or something in between. They question even if there's such a thing as a man uh, or, uh, or a woman. Where that actually comes from, the root of that is coming from this concept that there's no such thing as truth. The idea that there's no such thing as truth comes from this idea that there is no God. Because if there is no God, there's no ultimate reality. And if there's no ultimate reality, there cannot be uh, any truth, and then there's just a, a opinion. But the consequence of that in people's life, is bre it, it's breaking. It breaks people's lives. Uh, people live their lives full of confusion, full of anger, full of alienation, and full of hurt. But we are not of those people. The Bible says, since we are those who know God, when you know God, when you know Jesus, it gives you an anchor for your life. You see, this is the, the awesome thing about Resurrection Sunday. Resurrection, Resurrection Sunday is a moment that anchors every human life. Because in the resurrection, God established truth for all time. How did he do that? A number of years ago, um, I watched a Kevin Costner movie. You can see I like my movies. Kevin Costner movie, Waterworld. Um, some of you may have seen it, and the basic premise of the movie was this, is that the polar ice caps had melted uh, in global warming, and the whole world was flooded, and all land disappeared. Most of humanity has perished, but there's small groups of people, or there's groups of people who have survived because they managed somehow to build boats and rafts, uh, etc. And they're just floating on this water world. The problem is, if you're floating on a water world, you don't know where you are on the globe because nothing is stable anymore. There's no fixed point. But in the movie, there's a legend of a, uh, of a little bit of land that's left. And the whole movie is like looking for, uh, for this land. But as I began to think about that movie, 
That is a picture of our modern age. Where in a sense, it feels like our world has been flooded with ideas. The, 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 global, the world wide web and the information technology has flooded the world full of ideas. You can get onto the internet and get all the latest ideas. And you're like, wow, that, that sounds plausible. That sounds plausible. That sounds plausible. How do I know? How do I know anything? But you see, in, in, a, in a world where everything is moving, you've got no fixed point. But if there's just one fixed point, say, for example, I took a chair and I stuck it in the middle of the room and you were all blindfolded or it was com uh, completely dark. And that was the only stable thing in this room. If I got you to navigate about the room without a fixed point, it's difficult to find your way. But if I start you out and tell you this chair is right in the middle of the room, even if I've turned you round and round and round, because you know where this chair is, relative to the chair, you can find your way. That's what Jesus did for us. You see, Jesus came into our world and he made claims. He made claims about his own divinity. He made claims about truth. He quoted the, uh, the Bible. But then, to back that up, he went to the cross the most public execution in all of human history, been written about by both biblical and secular historians, really well-established claim that Jesus died. But if he just died after his claims, his claims would have died with him. But because he rose on the Sunday, three days afterwards, his claims about who he was, about the scriptures, about the word, and about the truth have been established without question for all of human history. So now, when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, we have our fixed point. We can navigate our life by looking back to Jesus' life and his resurrection and now we are those who can speak to the world because we know God and we make it our passion to let people know of the love of God. Because you see, in the cross, the cross is not just God establishing truth. It's not just God establishing the way. It's not just God establishing the life. But it's God manifesting his amazing love for us. You see, that, that's the extraordinary thing, is that the cross, when you look at the cross, you see the love of God. You see, that's what makes our God different from every other religious claim ever. You see, our God didn't come as a warlord to conquer the world. Our God didn't come just saying, live like this, be nice, be moral, be aesthetic, uh, be an aesthetic, be a monk, etc. Our God came and in His immense love reached out for us and paid the ultimate price with an with a execution that was the worst death of any human being ever. And He did that for you and I. And so in the cross, we see both Life and the way, the truth, but we see ultimately love. And that's what challenges me. It challenges me that I am now called 
not to live for myself. See that further on in, in this um, chapter, in, um, in 2 Corinthians, it says, He died for us so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for Him who died for them. And that, that so challenges me. I remember when I first got saved, about 30 years ago now, I remember reading that thinking, wow, He's called me now no longer to live for myself. You see, so much of our lives, we get all bent out of shape because we're pursuing our ambition. But you know, when you lay down your ambition and say, Lord, what's the purpose of my life from your eyes? And you begin to live for Him, you begin to recognize that actually it's the people around you that you encounter on a day-to-day basis. Man, that's our greatest purpose. That's our greatest purpose, is loving the world around you like Christ did. And, you know, I, 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 I go through phases where I'm a bit, um, you know, you get reluctant. I mean, does anyone else feel a little bit like it? You don't want to open your mouth. You know, you know it's a little embarrassing. But, but I realize that when I think about being persecuted, <laughs> you know, people might say nasty things about me. People might say, he's a bit of a this or a bit of a that. I just need to look back at, and look at the cross to have a bit of perspective on persecution that I'm facing. I love the fact that in this chapter it says, Christ's love fuels our passion and motivates us. You know, when, when you're sharing your faith, when you're telling people about Jesus, that's, that's, your, that's your fuel. It's the love of God. You are so loved. You are so loved. And He loves the person next to you so much. That's your fuel. We're not out there to prove any points with anyone. We're not there to fight with anyone. We may, we may passionately disagree with people, and people may hate you for what you believe, but stand in the love of Jesus and love. Just love people. You're not there to fight. You're not there to argue. You're there to love. And, um, you know, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I've gone through whole seasons of my life where I've been sharing out of a wrong motive. Is there, anyone, can anyone be honest and say that? Oh, thank you, Mike. Can you, can look, uh, you, <laughs> you know, once you've been doing it for a while, <laughs> you realize, you know, there's times where you, you get in there and you, you feel like you want to debate with somebody, you know? It's like, I've got the truth, boy. I've got the truth. Come bring, bring your best argument against Jesus. And you want to argue. And, you know, after a while, you can end up finding yourself, you've argued, you may have won the argument, but you lost a friend. Or you, 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 you lost an opportunity to love people. And you know what? Not that we don't bring a... a let me... Uh, we bring... An argument for the cross without being argumentative. Does that make sense? We call to have an apologetic, a reason for believing, but we're not meant to do it out of an argumentative spirit. But it's because of the love of Jesus. Because love is our message. Love is our message. And I'm not talking about love in the sense of a cheap grace, you know? Oh, it doesn't matter. Live however you want. Jesus loves you. 
That's not real love. Because if that were true, the cross would be an offense. If God didn't mind your sin, Jesus wouldn't have had to die on the cross. Does that make sense? You see, sin breaks lives. The next thing is, verse 15 says this. It says, And He died for all that so, so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for Him who died for their sake and was raised to live. You know, when you change your motive for living from live to get to live to give, you will always be a powerful person. You will always be a powerful person. One of the most awful feelings in life is to feel powerless. <laughs> it's just, it's not, who likes feeling powerless? No, no one? But when you live to get, it is a feeling you will often have. Because the question is, is how much? How much do you need? How much do you want? Um, when you're living to get, you will often live with a continual feeling of um, lack, ungratitude, etc. But when you live to give, it's amazing the gratitude that settles on your life. And we are called to be those kind of people who live to give, who live to love, who look for opportunities to, to give the bit. And you know, it's amazing when, you've when you start living like that, actually peace settles on, uh, on your soul and you live with a new kind of peace. I love the, the, uh, the, the, uh, this passage. It says, For we are ambassadors of God's love. This is an amazing concept. This is an amazing concept because if you're an ambassador of God's love, the claim the, the Scripture makes that, that we are ambassadors. That word ambassador is, is chosen for a reason. An ambassador is a person that was fully imbued with the authority of the state that has sent them. In ancient times, before, you know, modern communications, you chose your ambassadors with great care. Because that guy went representing your nation to another nation. He had the ability to, um, to conduct a tr a trade, to make treaties, and make war on behalf of your nation. Can you just imagine that? You just sent, if you sent a lunatic off, and the next thing he declares war. <laughs> Before you know it, you were at war with people you didn't want to be at war with. And yet, God has given you this role in this world to be a representative of his kingdom. And when he did so, he put the authority of his kingdom on your shoulders. Which is why when you pray for the sick in Jesus' name, you will see people get healed. I remember a number of years ago when we started pursuing um, healing, when we started praying for people. We'd always believed in healing as uh, um, Debs and I, and we were, part of a, we were part of a community of people who believed in healing. However, we didn't actually pray for people for healing. It's, it's, a, it's a funny thing. And many Christians believe in healing. They just don't pray for people to see them healed, which makes you beg the question, do they really believe in healing? You know what I'm saying? It's like we had the theology, but our praxeology was very poor. So Debs and I started actually saying, okay, well, we believe in healing. Let's go out 
And I remember one particular first time, um, and Debbie and I went out on the street with, with a group of people from Bethel Church, and we were so nervous. You know, it's one thing praying for people for healing in church with other Christians and just going out on the street and praying for people for healing. And we were so nervous. And I remember Debs went out to the taxi rank in East London and we asked people, you know, would you like to, would you like to receive prayer? There was a lady there and she was like, Deb asked her, would you like prayer? And she said, no, 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 she doesn't, doesn't want prayer. She's nothing wrong with her. And I think if I remember correctly, Debbie had a word of knowledge and said, My... yes, yeah, so... you got, you've got that growth on your leg. I love that. I love it when people rat other people out. It's like, do you have pain? And it's like, no, I don't have pain. Your friend says, no, you're lying. You've got pain. You were just complaining. So it turns out that this lady had a growth the size of a golf ball on her leg. And Deb said, would you mind if I pray for you? And the lady's like, oh, I'm a bit skeptical. She's like, okay, okay. And Debbie prayed for her. And she put her hand on the growth. And she prayed briefly in the name of Jesus. And it instantly disappeared under her hand. And Debbie felt it go. And I don't know who was more surprised, um, the lady or Debs, but it disappeared. And so Debs looked at her and said, I think it just went. And the lady was like, what? She said, I think it just went. And the lady was like, not believing it. And she rubbed there. And she, it was gone. And she hikes up her skirt and goes, Jeannie! She was like, she was like shocked. And so we started to see healings. Like the first time we ever saw a, um, a uh, was he, he was deaf, eh? A deaf guy healed in our church. You know, he's deaf and dumb. This guy came into our church and he came in, he said he was deaf and, uh, and dumb. And we were, I mean, I'll be honest, I, I suddenly felt really led to pray for someone on that side of the room. Um, so, <laughs> so Debbie and, and some of our other elders went and prayed for the deaf. Uh, I think that cold, it was, it was really, it was a serious cold. It was a serious cold that I needed to, you know, the senior pastor needed to address the cold. So I let Debs and the other people pray for the small thing, you know. And anyway, Debs and, this, uh, and our elder prayed for this guy and he was deaf. And the next thing, his ears just popped open and he started hearing and hearing and speaking. And like it was, like everyone was shocked. Everyone was shocked. Um, like, what? And um, we, we, we couldn't believe it. We just couldn't believe it. But this is who you are in the kingdom. And, and you know, the amazing thing is sometimes you think you are only going to see breakthrough and healing uh, 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 when you're feeling strong. You know what I'm saying? But actually, I've often found quite the reverse that it's when you're feeling weakest, when you feel like, oh, listen, I'm just going to fake it. I'm going to pretend I've got faith. <laughs> that that's when God steps in and you see the biggest breakthroughs. Why have you got that authority? Because you are Christ's ambassador in the world, pleading with the world, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. And that's my, my final point is that I want to make. No matter what, no matter what happens, we know how this story is going to end. And so we are called and commissioned to be people who will go to others and plead with them 
Be reconciled to God. He wants to know you. He wants His love to be made manifest in your life. I want to encourage you this week and every week, every day, to make every effort to spread the love of God and the love of Jesus uh, around you. You may get small opportunities. You may get big opportunities. Just love people around you. It's amazing how much impact your life can make if you make it your mission just to love the world around you with the love of Jesus. Recognizing the authority that He has placed in you and knowing who He is. Your, your life is a portal of the kingdom of God because His Spirit, His Holy Spirit, His presence lives in you. Do you, do you realize that no matter where you go, Jesus is going? Because He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So when you move into a room, Holy Spirit is with you. The atmosphere just shifted. Someone is in danger of feeling the love of God because you walked in. Someone's, someone's life is in danger of being wrecked with the love of God. I actually, Mike, can I share your story about Friday? So Mike was, Mike was just saying on Friday, he, he woke up, he went for a run by himself. And, uh, well, as one does. And uh, he, went, he, he went for a run. But at a certain point, he was running down the road. He came up, sunrise was uh, in, uh, in front of him. And he felt the Lord just speak in his heart and say, Mike, this is for you. And then the presence of God just dropped on him. And he was totally toasted, drunk in the Holy Spirit, running down the road. When I get to heaven, I'm getting that video. You know what? I just love that. I just love that. I want to tell you that if we will live like that, open to God's love, to feeling His presence, receiving His presence, no matter where we are, then no one's safe around you. <laughs> no one's safe. They might get their depression just ruined by, by the love of God. They might get their sickness destroyed by the, uh, the power of God. They might get their loneliness just broken off by the presence of God. They might find their purpose. They might find the truth. Um, there is a truth. There's the truth, then there's our opinions. Amen? They might find the truth of Jesus. They might find the way, the truth, and the life. Because Jesus is alive. Amen? We hope you have enjoyed this message from Nigel Desmond. For more information, please visit nigelanddebbie.org.